Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Alex Bonilla. Hello. And April Collins. Hi there. Today we will be recapping the first and second episodes of She-Ra Season 4, The Coronation, and The Valley of the Lost, which dropped with the rest of the season earlier this month. Warning, all of us have seen Season 4 in its entirety. We will be discussing these episodes specifically and how they interact with the rest of the season. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for everything in Season 4, but especially these two episodes. Uh, you can find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or on YouTube at YouTube.com slash OverlyAnimated. And yeah, guys, tell me, what are your th- general thoughts about these two episodes, Alex? So episode one is like really sad and really tense in a weird way, because like, I think if you describe it, it's uh, it's not that action packed of an episode, but just the way everyone is acting all weird around Glimmer and Glimmer is annoyed that everyone is acting weird around her. And like, that's pretty much the entire episode. So like it stretches out to a point where it definitely has a very weird tone. And I think one that I guess fits what the season is going for in terms of like, this is a dark season. Like things are falling apart. Like from the very beginning, it already begins to feel like it's so Glimmer's queendom is just starting and it's already feeling all, all messy and stuff. So uh, I, I enjoyed the, the tone stuff of the first episode, even if uh, maybe like if you describe it the beat by beat story wise, it probably doesn't hold up as much, but I enjoyed the feel of it. Uh, episode two is cute. I mean, I got a uh, perfume and Huntar are great together and I, I like I like seeing them since they're characters that we don't we haven't really gotten a lot of uh, in the show like the um, especially Huntara. I mean this, this might be her her last episode. <laughs> Who okay, knows? I mean but, it might uh, not be her last episode. Her, her last big episode, maybe I don't know. It, it felt like maybe. a farewell to me, yeah. but like but they but the, she was great in this episode. And um, the obviously Double Trouble is introduced, and Double Trouble, like from the very beginning, makes a very great impression. That they're just a really awesome character. So yeah, so I I think both both episodes have things to like. I'd probably pick up episode one over episode two, but the, the they both got lots of uh, interesting little stuff going on. And April, what about you? So I think episode one is just um, a really good like introduction to the season. Um, the first time I watched it, I I was like, okay, like this is a you know like this is a good episode to start off with because um, we're sort of picking up from where we left off at the end of last season, which I really you know like and appreciate. Um, but at, like my second, I watched him you know obviously all the way through, and then again, um, and then the second time I watched it, I was like really really sad and just feeling all of the feels of the episode, especially given, like, everything else that happens later yeah. um, in the season. And I think that it was a little bit more impactful the second time around than it was the first time around. Uh, so I don't know if that's, like, if that says anything to, like, the quality of the episode. Um, but... You know, it was exciting. We got to see all of our friends. We're kind of being goofy, but we're also being serious at the same time. So I thought that was balanced out very nicely. Uh, The second episode, uh, I like like it, but I 
I like I would always find myself sort of wandering in terms of like my head space. Right. Um, so like because what was it like the second time I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is how we get introduced to like double trouble. And I was like, wait, I've already watched this episode. Did I really forget this? Like, right. So um, and I like I think Huntera's like this was her I don't know if we'll see her again but it was kind of nice like again seeing her um and then it also kind of sort of sets up like the I guess the like glimmers uh like feelings and her arc throughout the rest of the season so um in terms of that I thought that was really good but yeah I mean they're not bad episodes so those are my feelings. <laughs> All right. We appreciate your feelings. And I'm Thank very God. disappointed in the lack of confidence in Huntara. Y'all, she could come back. We don't know that yet. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel... I mean, we could see her again, but I'm not very, like, hopeful. I'm not holding out because it did feel very much feel like a... Like, this is my last episode. Maybe I'll see you again when we have to get the... The band the back yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, sh- she'll come back when it's like we need all these smugglers to help us out to like right. join our army for the final battle. Like, that's where Huntar is going to be important. It's like uh, representing the 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 underbelly of Etheria in the final match. All right, all right. Well, that was a very trailer voice, and I really <laughs> to thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I agree. Okay, I agree with that. Yes. But, I mean, if, if this is the last time we see the Crimson Waste, I'll be happy. If it's, like, the last time we see Antara, I'll be very upset. But that's for another time. Uh, mm, I, can we have both? I, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> like, can like you have one without the other? Are they yeah. intrinsically tied like, together? You can't really have, like, like, it's... It, because that's where we're leaving her. So in order to see her again, we would have to go back to the, the Crimson, Crimson Waste. And I just don't see us going there. Yeah. Unless it's like one of those like super extreme circumstances where they happen upon her and like everything's a wasteland. And she's just like, we're just trying to find more food or something right. crazy like right. that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I can't I can't fight against this logic. But I am very sad about it. Um, <sighs> but for me, and this is really interesting... Because it was on rewatch of the first episode that I became increasingly more and more disappointed with it. Just in terms of just as a standalone episode, as the opening of the fur of this season, especially since where we were left off. Like I just thought it's 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 not April, you mentioned how you think it's really balanced. I really don't think it's balanced. Because once we get out of the like the crazy preparation coronation stuff, which is fun and crazy. And, and you're right, Alex, it, it strikes the tone perfectly. In terms of a, of a tone setter, this is a great episode. But when you take that away, it's like, in terms of what actually happens in the episode and the things that were, like, the beats, the things that happen, I'm like, it's not balanced because we spend too much time preparing. And then when we finally get to this quest, it's so boring and like oh god anyway we'll get in deep into detail about this Mm -hmm. and i want you all to convince me that i'm wrong but (laughs) that episode one i just uh, okay and then episode two i agree is like i agree with the trepidation but i there's like certain things that they're doing just that from a uh 
from a gender perspective, and I'm not talking about um, Double Trouble being the introduced as a non-binary character. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just simply things that it does aside that it's like introducing us to and like is subtly subverting things for us that that to me is really interesting from a, in terms of like gender and pre- pre- presenting us with different tropes and how they're doing it and it's really cool but from the story perspective like from a plot perspective it's very also like boring like there's no stakes to this even though in the coronation should have a bunch of stakes and this should have a bunch of stakes because it's Mara's ship which we later find out is like it's the key to learning about Mara in a lot of ways so it's just so these are very these are very two strange episodes that in when I was watching the first time I really enjoyed them but then, in the grand scheme of things, when I place them among the other episodes, it's like, uh, they don't, I didn't, they didn't age well for me. But, um, let's talk about that first episode. And let's talk about this, um, kind of, like, madness and this tone that they strike. Um, what really stood out to you both? What stood out to you in particular that you didn't mention, or if you want to go more into detail? Like, is it, is it, more like the 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 funness of the episode is it more just like kind of the glimmer thing like how long do you think this episode takes place since like the finality of last season like what is it like a couple days do you think it's been like a couple weeks how long has it been alex it's uh maybe a week i i it has to have been pretty soon right because i can't imagine that this uh, society obsessed with princesses and queens and stuff would allow it, them to go queenless for too long so uh, and glimmer is the obvious choice it's not like there's any fight there so yeah i, I feel like it was soon enough um, I, I did want to uh, comment on uh, April. Um, she mentioned uh, how, like, on rewatch, that this uh, takes a bit of a different uh, feeling, and uh, that was uh, an interesting observation because I honestly don't remember what I thought of this episode on first watch, but I definitely agree. Like, when you're when you're watching this in the context of the full season, there's stuff going on that, uh, like makes all of this feel a lot worse in terms of like foreshadowing what's going to happen like one thing in, in particular like when when adora at the end like has this meaningful line of like hey we're gonna stay by your side no matter yeah. what you decide to do and all and then of course like the whole season progresses and glimmer begins taking more questionable choices and adora and Bo have to struggle do they want to do do they want to keep their friendship at the cost of making potentially a dangerous decision and they decide not to do so like with with all with the idea of what is going to happen between this friendship the way that it it resolves itself in this episode feels like so uh so very uh simple and in a way that doesn't like you know it's not gonna hold and it makes it all feel very like uh... ah yeah Yeah, I mean, I will say it also, but even though they do, they like work through it, work through the trouble, it does start planning, even just visually, you're always seeing Bo and Adora together, and you're seeing Glimmer, like the shots that you rarely see them together, like it's already planting these seeds of, of like, there's going to be a rift between them, and like the the whole, the whole point, like the whole crux of this conflict is miscommunication right they're not talking to each other they're letting things like 
be muddled and like that's real that's a, a lot of times that's like the one of the thing one of the reasons why there's so much tension between the the best friend squad in the rest of the season is because there is this kind of lack of clarity in what the other side is doing so it does a really good job at at foreshadowing that you're right april is there anything in particular that stands out to you um about this episode so um i think the thing really like alex already mentioned was how like you have all of the shots of like Adora and Bo together, but then Glimmer's very much separated out. Um, <clears throat> those ones sort of took, I guess, a hold of me. Uh, I think the other thing, too, is just that, um, like, there's, it, there's, like, a strange focus on, like, the other princesses in this episode, too. Um, <clears throat> which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I would, I would sort of, um... I guess maybe, I don't know if argue is the right word, but I would definitely like argue that like this episode probably takes quicker, takes place a lot quicker than we think it does simply because of that sort of like B plot that we have with Catra and, um, yeah, uh, Hordak because like, you know, I really can't imagine that anyone would have let Hordak just kind of sit around, um, being all mopey and gloomy for like a week. So I imagine this, like, the turnaround on this is, like, super quick. If Like, maybe, like, two or three days at most. Um, but especially because of how Glimmer, uh, I mean, obviously losing your mother is a very big deal. And I would never, ever, like, want that to be downplayed. But, like, given the fact that, like, there's such an emphasis with her about, like, talking about her mom and, like, <clears throat> no one's acknowledging that. That it feels like it's still very raw and still extremely fresh, especially because they're moving so quickly with the whole like coronation and like getting it, you know, getting everything ready to go. So I I think that that's how quickly we have that turnaround for this. Um, I I think like one of the things I didn't necessarily enjoy was like the swift <laughs> swifty yeah. or swift wing stuff because I just don't care about that character, <laughs> which sounds so bad. <laughs> but you know well, like uh, uh, everyone they're making this effort where they're showing characters like also not liking Swiftwind. Yeah. No, I, and also I will say the rest of the season treats Swiftwind much more respectfully. Like it, it boy, boy's not out he he is a a decent part of that episode and he's fine. But this particular episode is very reminiscent of classic annoying Swiftwind. <laughs> and so that that makes it hard to swallow. But but, but let us let this episode not hide the fact that this is Swiftwind's best season. It's just that this particular episode was ter- was not great for him. Right, right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's also... It, okay, am I, am I crazy to think that we shouldn't have had so much emphasis on the other princesses this episode? Am I crazy to think if this is, if this is like a couple days after uh, Queen Angela, like, sacrifices herself, it's... It's called coronation. This is Glimmer's big day. Well, shouldn't have, shouldn't we, shouldn't we have had more? And what I mean is, and this is the crux of my problem with this episode, shouldn't we have had a little bit more kind of more insight into like Glimmer, more like more emphasis on Glimmer and where she is psychologically, like what's her mental state at, like what what are her troubles, like with 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 like you know her her. 
not only is it that she lost her mother, but now she has this incredible responsibility forced upon her and all these things, like any sort of insecurity she may have. Like I wanted this episode to be the glimmer-centric focused episode where you suddenly had her, like instead of as great and as much as I loved the drama between Mermista and Perfuma and the whole, like, she picked me to do the flowers, but flowers are my thing. As much as I adored it and I, I love that that type of, like, and, and I find that entertaining, I wish we would have gotten kind of her going on this quest with her friends and, I mean, her being Glimmer and her having to do certain things in this quest that are not just walking through a tunnel and meeting a giant worm and then having to she it out. You know what I mean? I just feel like they could have been a little bit more, especially given how I know how capable this show is with giving us character-focused episodes where they do get to explore them. I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm a little miffed that this is the, this was the perfect opportunity to give us the, the quality of episodes that are usually directed towards Katra and Adora. We were, this was the perfect opportunity to get, direct that towards Glimmer. And we didn't get that. And someone who's a fan of Glimmer and has, and, and especially since we're going to have her make some questionable decisions later on. And I, I wanted to really get an opportunity to understand her place. And I feel like this was the perfect chance to do that. And we didn't get that. Am I wrong to think this or am I like, or is it like? I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think for me at least, like, I, I, I got that, like, because we are sort of, like, focusing in on Glimmer by not focusing in on her, because she does become so disconnected from everyone later on in the season, and so I think that may, like, and this this could just be, like, me going down into, like, a deep rabbit hole, like I usually do with almost everything. Please do, please do, dive full in. But, like, okay, so, like, we we do have, like, this sort of this focus on all of the other princesses. And I, like, okay, yes, we should see, like, what they're doing and how they're sort of playing their role in this situation. And, again, it's, like, the first episode of the season. So, um, I think it's, you know, we, we kind of have to, like, check in on everybody with that first episode. Um, and, you know, it's fun and it's playful. But then, um, like... While it downplays Glimmer, I think it doesn't at the same time because it's just setting up that precedent of her being, you know, separated from everyone else. Because that's what that's that's her role, not her role, but like that's the position she's in for the like the entire rest of the season is that she doesn't necessarily get to, you know, I'm going to use the word play or be alongside her friends. And so um, I think this sets that up in terms of like the the ending like fight kind of thing like I don't think there need I don't think it needed to be anything more than it really was because like yes I understand you have to be worthy to be a queen and you should you know you're defeating some type of monster on a quest but I don't think it needed to be overly complicated which is why um like which leads into like me feeling like this episode was pretty well balanced just because I didn't need a big long drawn out like fight scene um because like the like I don't know it seems like oh you just don't want a queen because it <laughs> like just kill them all off at the chamber like what are you going to do wait for 3 days and then figure out that they're dead I don't know so <laughs> but um I think for at least to sum it up, that's for me why I feel that it's balanced and why like 
where it, it does a great job at setting up the rest of the season and sort of glimmers isolation from, um, you know, her her friends and a, a little bit of what else is going on as well. Right, right. I yeah. don't think we needed a monster period. Is my yeah. thing. But um, but Alex, what are, what are, what are your response to well, either what I said or what April said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, lo- I love that April points out the disconnection of Glimmer in this episode because it's true. Like she, she feels, she feels very much like even though she's the main character, but like it feels like she's very. Is she though? Like, uh, that's the thing. I don't know. Well. Right, right, right. But I think that that's kind of the point because we have to remember, like, Angela is the queen before she was kind of this separate, distant character. Everybody had to treat her with reverence because she was the queen. At the end of the day, she's the boss of everyone. And so everyone treats her different because of that. And now we're seeing Glimmer thrust into this position where she is now being treated like a queen queen where like now she has to suffer all the 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 lack of connections that her mother had during all her time and she has no no idea how how to handle that that boost in position all of a sudden and i think that's why the princess is being there like they're do they're there for comedy obviously like they got like their funny stuff going on but also the fact that they're like continuously bothering glimmer at every corner and that there's struggles between the trivial things like that's all there to like show like look glimmer as a queen this is your deal now and this is part of why you're going to be separated from from your friends and you're going to end up making decisions that are not as informed because you're kind of being pushed gradually into this the corner that that queens i guess have to do as a part of being in power so like i understand the frustration with the the princesses being around and kind of like doing their goofy stuff but i think it it all serves a purpose of kind of uh, pushing glimmer to the side because that's kind of the message they want to give in terms of glimmer being queen that that is a very burdensome position that causes everyone to treat you differently and that that's what glimmer expresses her frustration with at the the end it's like i can tell you people are treating me differently and it's it's frustrating to me and 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 that doesn't really change throughout the season because like everybody continues to treat her differently because of the added power that she has and that's that's one of the tensions that stays throughout and it begins in this in this episode so like uh, again like this goes back to i think that while the the stuff the beats itself may be a bit uh, annoying or boring, but I think that all the decisions are made to like really force. I think that this is a very big character episode for Glimmer in terms of showing that she is is not handling this situation well from, from the beginning because of the, of the change that happened and the, the cracks that are already beginning to show because of that change. Well said, well said. Um, And, do you, okay, so kind of backtracking a little bit. So while all this is happening, before the quest, all this is happening, we do get to find out what's happening in the Horde side of things. We do get Hordak moping around about Entrapta, which obviously I ate up because Entrapta <laughs> for the win, like always. And we get this, re- but beside that, we get this really interesting scene with Scorpia about like where she's basically trying to like convince Katra to go get Entrapta back from Beast Island. And... This scene is really interesting because it kind of 
So I always thought that last season when, when Catra opened the portal, that was like the bottom. Like that, you know, like it's like, okay, that's where she hits rock bottom. But now I'm really interested with, okay, what is rock bottom? When you make that action that makes like, that is like, not that it's unforgivable, but like that's really bad. When you make that decision or after the fallout of that decision, you wanting to change the way it's perceived and be like, no, no, I was right all along. It's like the, the, I was like, I'm just really interested with Katra and her response to kind of Scorpio basically being like, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. Like Adora was right. And then obviously that's what makes Katra like really upset. Um, so I was just wondering what you guys thought of this scene and where does, like, does this response from Katra surprise you? Because I, I mean, at least like for me, when I saw at the end of last season, she does have this look. She feels like she does have this, like she makes this face when she makes eye contact with, with Adora and Adora just being really angry at her. And she's just, I thought it was remorse, but I guess now I guess the remorse has shifted to denial. I'm not quite sure. Um, so just what did you make of this scene from, for both Scorpia and Katra as characters? Well, I, I would say that I think that this is important because it shows uh, Scorpio like sh- shoving facts in Catra's face and Catra outright rejecting them, and Scorpio reacts like, "Oh, what? Well, like, what are you saying?" Like, right. like Scorpio uh, for the I mean, because of her love for Catra, uh, it kind of it, it blinds her to Catra's ways. Like, I think that this is the beginning of this season of her coming to terms with the fact that Katra is far gone and like is just going to keep going in a very damaging road and one that would might end up damaging Scorpia. I think this is like the first sign of that for her. And I would say that rock bottom is when you no longer have any any support system mm-hmm. to to lean on when things go wrong. And Scorpia at this point, I mean, at episode one, is still there if Katra right. ever wanted to do it. And so that that's why, like, this is this is the beginning of rock bottom because now, like, even even Scorpia is beginning to lose faith in Katra and not want not wanting to exert any more patience for this. So once once we get to that point in the season, I would argue that's rock bottom for Katra. But this is definitely on the road there because I think that Scorpia is a big part of that. The fact that she even has this person to talk to because other than Scorpia, who does Katra even talk to? Like, who does Katra confide in? Nobody. So like, th- this is a sad moment because Scorpia has her eyes opened. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, April? What did you think of this scene? Um, I definitely think this is like the beginning of the end, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, because you get you see all of that, I guess, tension between the two of them sort of rise up, especially for Catra, because you know she does get sort of physically violent, not with Scorpia in particular, but she does get violent. And so I, I know like at the end of last season, we were like, oh, is this, you know, is this rock bottom for Catra? And I, you know, I agree with Alex that this isn't quite it, but this is the big, you know, almost, you know, it's the beginning of the end um, because Scorpio is kind of the last person that Catra has. And, you know, there I, I, I just continue to remember the scene where Scorpia just turns to Catra and she's just like, you're a bad friend and then walks away. And so I think that, you know, af- after that point is her her lowest of lows but again it's sort of like we're introducing these like 
severed ties that we see later on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely, especially what this part, this scene in particular, rewatching it is definitely hits you. And I am always, I'm also like, in something that always astounds me with this show is how easily and quick and efficient they are at getting you to care about a character because I never thought I'd care so much about Emily but then this scene happens and I'm like oh Emily I, you nothing must happen to you <laughs> so um I am always astounded when the show does that um and I guess to wrap up this episode before we move on to episode two am I crazy Am I crazy to think or or to read into every moment Glimmer and Adora have together? Like, am I? Am Be I? Chris, listen, you're never crazy. Listen, never. Listen, okay, maybe. Okay, maybe not about Entrapped Act, but I mean, after Entrapped Act, I don't know <laughs> wow. anymore. Oh wow, you feel you feel more confidence in Entrapped Act than Glimmerdora. Yes, wow. okay. yes, I do. But okay, because early, like the first scene we get is like she when she goes like, okay, one her new okay Glimmer's new look. I, I, you know, Glimmer's always been adorable, but like, what an amazing haircut and hairstyle she got. Like, the power of a hairstyle, like, goodness. But also, like, when she goes, like, do I look okay? And then Adora being like, you look like a queen. Like, Adora has the moves. Like, she's got it. And like, I'm just like, that was great. And then when they have that big, like, moment at the end and then the, when the best friend squad is comforting each other, like, Adora uses I. She's saying, like, I need to protect you. Like, I'll be here for you. And it's, and it's really funny because the way it's framed, like, Bo is just like, in like looked as if he's like in the middle of them like while they're having a moment and Bo's just standing there awkwardly and then Bo just goes like yes we will always be here for you <laughs> so it was just like this very funny kind of little thing where I saw it and I'm like oh am I am I and forgive the pun but am I seeing a glimmer of Glimadora here or am I crazy <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me Whoa. hanging well, look, it's it's a it's if you're into Glimadora as a ship, I do think that you can interpret this episode as a pretty strong one. And uh, again, like the rest of the, of the season is kind of downhill from here, but this is a this is a, a bright uh, light of hope. Now, I will say, like, uh, I don't ship it as much. So, like, to me, the Adora glimmer in this episode and further on, it definitely feels like Adora like trying to step into mom duties with Glimmer, which yeah. makes me feel strange, is because like uh, 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 like uh, here in this episode, Adora like it's there's like, hey, look, the last thing your mom told me was I need to protect you. So now it's kind of like she, it, it it feels like she's kind of taking on the, the mom duty in this season, and that's part of what part of the tension between Glimmer and Adora is that that relate, it hasn't quite been that kind of a relationship before this season, but now it's kind of shifting and that, that causes like a, a rift there. So like, um, I think that once we, we get past that and Adora is like truly trusting of Glimmer's decisions, then we can go back to being a ship. But like, right. I, I think that this season is not a great Glimmer season just because like, I, I think that the roles have shifted slightly here. I mean, you're right. I think, yeah, sorry, April. Oh, I was going to also just kind of add to that, too, is because even in this episode, you know, Adora, you know, admits she's just like, I didn't know what you need. And so given what we know about Adora's, um, like, social skills and everything, not that she's not, like, socialized, um, but... You know, it wouldn't be hard to believe that she's interpreting all of this as like, okay, Glimmer needs someone to guide her to, you know, um, 
like help her through. Um, and that may come off as very like parental, which I think they, you know, they, I think, you know, the show did it intentionally. Um, but while that may not be like Adora's intentions, um, but I, that's kind of where like I get that interpretation from is just from the fact that she's just like, I don't know what you need. Um, but Glimmer's like, I, you know, I need, I want my mom. And so it, you know, oh, you need, you need this, I will give it to you, which right. then comes off like that. So I think it becomes like a, a big, I mean, all of it's a miscommunication and a big misunderstanding, but. (laughs) but. No, yeah, yeah, I I see that. And I think uh, this episode does well in really kind of not just hitting on how Glimmer is struggling with her mom's death, but it's also how Adora is struggling with it, too. Because it's like, I mean, I think it's like a it's a pretty like. I I'm not, I don't know if traumatizing is the right word, but it's like a pretty big thing when like someone's about to sacrifice themselves for you and they're just like, take care of my child. Like that's a pretty big thing, I think. Right? So, it is. You know, it's a very, it's like, it's a, I would even say it's unfair. But well, granted, and, and if I remember correctly, Angela said, take care of each other. So she doesn't say take care of her. She said take care of each other. But Dora's mm-hmm. just like, I must protect um, which it's okay, Adora. We're, we've all been there. Um, and have we though? <laughs> I mean, you know, just let me have this. Maybe we have. Let me connect with Adora I, I, in every, I'm any way glad I can. you have a, li- a life debt to someone? Uh, <laughs> I, I would prefer not to. Uh, okay. Well, all right. So that's episode one. Uh, uh, unless you guys have anything else to say, we can move on to episode two. I, I, I just want to briefly say Frosta is cute in this episode. As whenever they do Frosta oh, as bouncer. like wanting to please Glimmer, yeah, she's yeah, the, the bouncer. bouncer. She like got, makes a really buffed ice sculpture. So Frosta's great, but I do want to say that there, there's a moment like when they're in the cave, right? It's like, hey, nobody's paying attention to my mom. Why are we all focusing just on me here? And then they come to this realization in the cave. When they come out, there's this giant sculpture of Glimmer with it. Angela, but they didn't have that conversation. <laughs> like that was just in the cave. They, How did they, they realize the- it? They realized like, so no, like, we like, have like, to. Tell- telekinetic like oh wait is glimmer mad because we're not noticing no. her mom? Oh, the power of Adora friendship. Told her, told Swiftwind in oh, yeah. their with their psychic connection, and uh, Swiftwind was yeah, like, "That's you it, ice sculpture, got it." <laughs> you know, it's the power. You know, it, when in doubt, it's the power of friendship. That's yeah. that's my that's my if there's anything Sailor Moon taught me when in doubt it's the power of friendship. Um, but okay, so <laughs> but it, it, okay, let's move on to episode two, which um, I'm call, it's called uh, Valley of the Lost Souls. Valley of the Lost, yes, Valley of the Lost, Valley of the Lost, yes, Valley of the Lost. I call it the most Eisley episode. If anyone watches Star Wars, you'll understand um, oh. because. That is like the the spaceport in Tatooine, and it's just like that. That's what this is, and so like there's just the Star Warsiness of this episode is not lost to me. Is what I'm saying. Like some musical cues on this episode are identical to like that whole section in Episode Four when they're still on Tatooine. It's like ridiculous. So, like I mean, I'm like yes, I don't need any more Crimson Waste because I'm also like okay, like Shira, you can't just copy and paste certain things from like Star Wars and expect us not to notice. Um, but this I, I just want to. Yeah. I, I just want to say that the first Crimson Waste episode is the Maz Eisley episode from A New Hope. This is the the Maz Eisley episode from the pre 
sequels because there's a lot more of the city. There's no cantina scene in this one, but there was in the first Crimson Waste episode. So this is, but be, but by that analogy, this is the worst of the Crimson Waste episodes. Okay, I'm not sure. well, well, no, well, I mean, if if you're the believer that the prequels were like lesser than, then it makes sense. But look, I'm just saying that. You have, it is episode four though, because it's not the cantina scene, it's everything else that happens in Moss Eisley. They're looking for a ship, they're trying, they're like wearing the hoods and being careful and fighting against these squadron and not yeah. trying to get caught. It's like, they basically split the Moss Eisley episodes into two. The cantina one is the first Crimson Waste episode, and this is the second part. Yeah, like yeah, I can buy that. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, I'm not arguing with you. The other one is very much Moss Eisley too. But, um, but yeah, so the bit I feel like for me the big takeaway of this episode is like is double trouble because like the entrance has been is so like m- incredible like I just like there's real like it's just it's a it, like you have this 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 character who just you immediately like you just you get you're just like I'm I know that you're gonna do bad things but I'm going to like you and it's <laughs> and it's like and you just you're just gonna accept it but um. But what did you guys think of this episode? What did, I mean, what did you, what stood out to you? And if it is Double Trouble, let's just get into talking about why they're so amazing. Well, look, Double Trouble, any villain is better when they can do their stuff with flair. And yeah. Double Trouble exudes flair from the very beginning beginning you know that uh, they're very proud of the of their acting skills uh, they immediately show up like being you know flirty scorpio which is quite which is quite a we'll shock. talk about that in a bit do not worry <laughs> well, okay but and so that they do a really good job in this episode just like look i'm here i'm confident in my powers and i am going to be really awesome this season so the double trouble definitely knock, knocks up this episode uh, a rung because of their appearance that is true that is true yeah people. No, um, I think Double Trouble is definitely the highlight of this episode for sure. Um, just because they are such a you un- like they're a unique character who continues to get more and more interesting as the season goes on. Just the use of them and like all of that. So I think again and again, like the second time, like the second time I watched, I was like, oh, here's Double Trouble, got it, like. because the rest of the episode I very much sort of like tuned out on Um, I mean the perfuma thing was kind of I guess nice but I I don't know it was just not that that great but I guess like there's a moral of the story there um, because there's beauty and everything even cacti I don't know Um (laughs) You you gotta dig into the roots yeah. Dig deep. Gotta dig deep into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, this, uh, there's not that much that really stands out. It's just, it's just an episode. It, it feels very sort of reminiscent of like episode one, or not episode one, of season one, where we have like those like, all right, we're going to, you know, Mermista's kingdom. All right, let's go to Perfuma's. Like, now we're at Frosta. Like, so yeah. it it, it kind of has that, has that same feel. Um, but the whole, like, introduction of Double Trouble ki- helps mix it up 
a little bit, especially with the the reveal at the end where, oh, that's not actually Catra. It was Double Trouble the entire, you know, that whole time. So that's that's really, um, like, sort of, like, foreshadowing as to, like, where we get into this character and where they go from here and how we use them. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think one of the problems I have with this episode is that the mission itself, there are no stakes. I don't feel like... There's any weight to what's happening. Glimmer just goes yeah. like, you guys are going to go get the ship and, and Perfume is going to go with you and go. And then it's just like, okay. And then they are, they're off. Um, so it, 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 I agree with you that in terms of like the actual plot of the episode, I don't think it's that, there's not much there. Um, and, uh, I, like, I just, something, I, I just, I, what I love about Double Trouble is that often the case with, sh- with, when I see shapeshifters and, and, like, I never, they're never the most interesting character for me. So I guess this is the first time I'm seeing a shapeshifter and seeing the, 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 the actor twist. They're getting into character. It's not, it's not the, oh, I'm just gonna shapeshift and then get out of the situation and then that's the, and then, I don't know, I always found shapeshifters to not really have much of a personality. And then to have, like the, I don't know. I, this is the first time I'm seeing the kind of like uh, performance quality of it, and I'm just so like thrilled. And I was like, "Oh, that's so clever!" Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why Double Double Trouble stands out so much for me. But um, well, they're they're. I was gonna say they're um, they're, they're really fun in that essence because they try to get to know the character that they're going yeah. to shape into. Um, and obviously we see like that culmination of it uh, with Catra and shape, uh, double trouble at the very end of the season, you know, Oh, it's taken me so long to like figure out who you, who you are in your character. Yeah. And so I think that I like, I like that because we don't often get that with shape shifting characters. Totally. Usually we just get, you know, oh, you can turn into whatever you want and that's it kind of thing. So this is, it's it's exciting to have someone with such a personality, at, even while they take on, you know, other personas. So yeah. I think it's also because they're so good at it. I yes. think it's because often the case when you have some sort of like shape-shifting scene, it's like they make it funny where they're like, oh, this person clearly is not acting how they're supposed to be acting. Mm-hmm. Like all I, I'm thinking about and this not shape-shifting, but it's a, a, the Polyjuice potion in Harry Potter where it's just, you know, they transform and then it's like and they're, it's clearly not the person that they're supposed to look like and they don't know how to act and it's like humorous. Whereas, whereas with Double Trouble, it's just like they, they, it's an art to them. They know, and they're so good at it. They, they, they're just so confident that they're a lot, that this isn't something they, it's, it's, it's just, it's a skill that they have and they're very good at it. And it's just, I think there's just something really, um, attractive about having a villain that's very good at what they do. Yes. And, and not having to like, you know, and just being, just being able to have fun with what they do, which sometimes you, whether it's a hero or a villain, sometimes that, that quality isn't always there. So they're not allowed to really show their, their personality as much. Um, but let's, let's talk about the fact that the first, like, interpretation Double Trouble has a Scorpio is, I'm gonna flirt with Katra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is really, and I think there's something really, basically, am I, like, looking too deep into the fact that the way that, that, that Double Trouble is able to manipulate Adora is like, and the way that Double Trouble is not able to manipulate Catra, is that like representative of the state of Catra and Scorpio's relationship and the state of Catra and Adora's relationship? 
think. Go ahead, April. Oh, I was going to say, I think the the other thing to bear in mind with that, too, is that, like, Catra and Adora, like, Adora isn't constantly around Catra anymore. So, it, you know, and obviously Catra's changed a lot since Adora lived um, at the Fright Zone with Catra. And so, it, I feel like it would be almost easier to trick her in in that regard, just because like, she's not as familiar with her anymore. Whereas Katra and Scorpia are together every single day. And so if someone is off, then you, you're going to notice it right away, especially given the amount of time that you spend with them. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'd also say that like the Katra and Adora, these days, their relationship it's just we gotta fight each other whenever we no, yeah. no, no. show up. I'm not talking about so, like, in a, in a, I'm not talking about in the well, state of like the ship. I'm talking about just the state of their relationship, how this represents like well, well, yeah, you know, yeah, but, how how far lost they are is what well, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, and because the, the, all they do is fight now, the, the, it's much easier to trick someone when you don't have to deal with emotional stuff anymore. Right. Whereas as opposed to Catra and Scorpia, that that's the route that Double Trouble goes for for the emotional side, and that's harder, especially yeah. for some. Someone like Catra, who is opposed to any kind of affection whatsoever. Like, even if, like, regular Scorpia did something sort of flirty, it's possible she would act very, very uh, um, uh, angrily because that's not what she wants uh, right yeah, now. Yeah, true. So, like, so, uh, honestly, she could tell because Scorpia usually isn't that forward. But I think, like, any sort of uh, of attempt to be flirty towards Castro would have resulted in that. Guys, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I think it's just it's a combination of the fact that Catra can, uh, cannot deal with, with that right now. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I think, yeah, I know that the Scorpia-Catra friendship relationship takes a hit this season, but... You know, one thing that you can't deny is that Catra would never be fooled when it comes to Scorpia. You can't deny it. <laughs> well, and I guess the real question is, what did Double Trouble see that was like, okay, Scorpia likes Catra. Let's do this. In this particular episode, it's not like Scorpia does that much. Like, okay. well, where, did, where did Double Trouble get this? What this tells me is that everyone just from, like, we see, like, the Scorpia-Catra interactions from either Catra or Scorpia's perspective. But I guess from a distance, they must look like they're always flirting. Is what that tells me. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Like, from a distance, it must look like something else. Like, it's like, oh, she's clearly flirting, like, with Catra. And then Catra just being like, oh, like, Catra's being playing hard to get with Scorpia. This is so obvious. Maybe. I, I don't know. This is what I'm throwing out there. Possibly. But Well, I I mean, that that's not hard to interpret. The, I think the, like, the fault in that sort of logic would be the fact that, like, the the flirty relationship between Scorpia and Catra is very one-sided. Oh, totally. Um, I'm not denying it. I'm not denying yeah. it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, like, if you're an outsider and you're looking at that situation, you could almost be like, oh, well, that's how they flirt. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Double Trouble has been, like, like has been like watching them for longer than this episode yeah, maybe they've possible. been like you know like looking you know maybe this is just the first time we see them but they've been in the shadows for a while possibly yeah possibly all right well 
Moving on, for me, the big takeaway of this episode, the only, like, beside Double Trouble, the big, the only, the only other thing that I think it does, relates that's really interesting, has nothing to do with the plot, has more to do with this kind of really, like, weird sort of thing, kind of where Adora, where, where Huntara, like, keeps saying, like, to Adora, like, oh, you've gone soft. And then Adora being like, I'm not soft. And then later, uh, one of, I think, I think Grox is the name. Grox, uh, tells Huntara, oh, you've gone soft. And it's just like, and obviously it's like zoom in to the, to the mouth going like soft. <laughs> and it's, and it's like this really interesting thing because I've never seen two female characters in this situation before because often the case like the whole soft discourse is just like another way another like usually it's to highlight the toxic masculinity and often it's like it sees it as like a good thing that you shouldn't be soft you should be hard in terms in terms of like how men should act and comport themselves um and I, i i just find it so interesting how it's like it's shown in this like very like weird like comedic light where it's like okay they're just like clearly this is like stupid ego happening and it's like it doesn't mean much and it's i'm just curious do you think this is this is all happening i'm like did they do it successfully this kind of subversion of that whole soft discussion like did they take out any of the toxicity that could be read into it because there is this whole thing where like you you have like huntara and perfuma and it's no surprise that you have like this this uh super feminine uh character and the super masculine character and how they interact and it's like clearly the uh, huntara fight like doubts her fight uh, uh perfuma's fighting skills and eventually perfuma proves herself in the own like you know it's this whole thing so there's this like really interesting kind of subversion happening Throughout of this kind of discussion of hard and soft, and I'm just curious if what you guys thought of it, whether it was successful, whether it wasn't. Did you not think about it much? And is it is it not that deep? Um, I personally didn't think about it much, simply because, again, I like I had a hard time just concentrating on this episode right. in the first place, and so. Like, anything else out, outside of, like, oh, I should pay attention to this kind of got a little, I, I'm going to say a little bit forgotten for me just because I, you know, I was like, um, okay, is this episode over yet? <laughs> okay, so clearly this is not high on your list of episodes. No. <laughs> like, I would say, again, because I think it's because, the episodes that come later are that much better for me. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, again, not to say that this episode's bad. It's just that, like, I had a very hard time concentrating because we kind of went back into that, like, first season mode. Um, so I think that's yeah. where, you know, like, a lot of that kind of problem lies is because like I was more interested in other things versus like Perfuma's character development in this episode. Uh, rip Perfuma. Oh, poor uh, Perfuma. I mean, she's a sweet, she's a sweet lady. Don't get me wrong. It's just that like, like it, I, it's one of those where I'm like, okay, well we already did like this, like here's this character kind of thing. So I just wasn't that in, intrigued by that. Right, right. That's fair. That's fair. Alex, what about you? What did you think? Well, 
Well, I, I did enjoy Hantara and Perfuma a lot uh, together. And I think that it does connect to the soft discussion because it, it, it's also, also like throughout uh, a line in this uh, episode is Hantara kind of underestimating Perfuma because of her princess-like nature. But she ends up showing uh, strength and resolve at the end. So Hantara's like, oh, well, I, I underestimated that. And uh, as for, like, the general soft discussion, I did find it interesting that, like, uh, uh, the, the initial discussion between her and Adora is is treated for comedy, I agree. And I, I guess it's also worth noting that these are, like, the, the two more butch characters of, of right. the show. Like, uh, uh, the, I mean, Adora has been described as a jock for a lot of, for a couple of these episodes. So, like, uh, it, it, even though they're all female characters, but, like, these are the correct characters that would have this kind of discussion anyway but it, it's not treated like it's not treated as toxically as it would be in other shows but i, I think more, more interestingly is the second time it happens where this uh, crimson waste person calls huntara soft was specifically because uh, huntara has learned to be more trusting of people and is relying on an existing friendship like that's somehow soft and I think so. I think that because of that framing, the show is saying like being soft isn't a bad thing. Like it's not bad to tr to trust in people and uh, shed that idea of oh you can't trust anybody. Like that's not a healthy way to live. So right. it's fine if yeah. you're soft in the eyes of people like that. So I I, I enjoyed that uh, that particular part of it because it kind of turns its head on what what really is quote softness and like it, it means different things to different people and it's possible that it's better for you to have become a softer person because you're able to have a happier life as we've seen with Huntara like she's been, she's been able to have a more peaceful life and still like keep her most of her personality intact she's still mostly the same person and she's she's helping out for a good cause she's she's no longer feels the need to run away from everything so yeah. I, I i i enjoyed uh, that particular part of of antara's arc and i think that that all ties into the discussion on on softness and uh, and the change in in this episode yeah yeah totally totally um but yeah is there any other things you want to add to this episode before we wrap up because i think that really covers it uh her perfuma calls Huntara a desert rose, and that's like the peak of the of the ship, you know. Like, like, I've got I've gotten fond of this desert rose. Like the way she says it is like so romantic. So so, yeah, so dreamy. Yeah. No, and the fact that that Huntara wears a cactus flower crown, yeah. like that must yeah. be also painful. It was so like sweet. It was super sweet. Yeah, but. And like she like, she laughs it off with like don't don't say that about me. But then she like laughs out like oh, oh, oh we're just joking around. Like they, they love we're each other. We're just friends. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I will say every single time Perfuma like like gasped in disgust whenever spit got near her was <laughs> real joy. Like I mean I mean really great uh, comedic choice to have the have Perfuma go to the Crimson Waste. Like that was great decision making. Um, so thank you, Glimmer, for that. Uh, and yeah, well, if that does it, do you, any closing thoughts on in general of these two episodes before we leave? Um, I, I guess my only closing statement was that all in all, like these two episodes aren't terrible to open up a season with, especially the first episode. So again, I had a lot more 
appreciation for it upon second viewing versus the first one. And where would it where uh, where does it land for you in in terms of like compared to the other episodes? Like where would you rank this if you're ranking just in the, just for the season? If you're ranking the best episodes and the worst, like where would this rank for you? Mm, I think the first episode would be like middle, like hi, like higher middle almost. Okay. Um, but the second episode would be more like lower middle for me. Gotcha, gotcha. How about you, Alex? Any closing thoughts on where would you rank this with the rest of the season? Yeah, yeah. Cl- closing thoughts. I think that Coronation is probably going to end up being an underrated episode by people because it's at the beginning of a very action-packed season. But I yeah. I think yeah. that, it get, that it completes its mission and it does it in a pretty entertaining and heart-wrenching way. So I, I enjoy Coronation a lot. I, I In my personal stake i would put it in the upper half of uh, of episodes this season um valley of the lost like it it, it meanders a little bit but like but like i said that the, there's some there's some interesting stuff to mine out, out of that episode and perfuma and uh, huntara are great together so like that that's still a, a pretty good episode too and i think that's like middle middle of the pack for this season but yeah th- th- this is definitely a very uh, all in all, it's a strong start for what ends up being a really strong season. That is true. It is a very, very strong season. Mm-hmm. Um, and more will be to come as we continue covering the episodes of She-Ra. Uh, so you can all find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can join us on Discord to text chat about animation at OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord. You can support us via Patreon at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Steve, aka Frequent Commenter Steve. And thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, and Needle. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.